group classes start in two weeks. Uh, this means masks, proper social distancing, and of course, your dog and a bunch of treats. Elizabeth Silverstein of Telltale Dog Training here. Welcome back to Telltale Dog, the podcast. I started the podcast as a way to share more information about what's going on with Telltale Dog, provide value to dog owners, and showcase the cool things that other pet industry folks are doing. Things have been pretty hard hit with COVID, but what doesn't go away is a need for dog training services. I am so thankful to all of you who have been supporting me and reaching out and wanting to work with me. It has been so wonderful to meet new people and to get to know new dogs. I am trying to stay as safe as possible with all of that, however. And I'm going to start classes on July 11th. That's a Saturday. I will be offering puppy kindergarten at 5.30 p.m. on Wednesdays, which will begin July 15th and at 10 a.m. on Saturdays, which will start that July 11th. Level 1 will be at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays starting July 15th and at 11.30 a.m. on Saturdays starting July 11th. My fun socialization class, the puppy party, will be at 1.30 p.m. on Saturdays. Everyone who expressed interest so far will receive or should have received an email on how to reserve a spot for those classes. The puppy parties are drop-in style with a reservation required every week, but my other classes will be six weeks long. Masks are required and social distancing will be maintained. I have no interest in putting anyone at risk, especially because I do provide services for the more vulnerable in our community. So puppy kindergarten is including some playtime while level one is all business and training, but we will be covering essential cues in both classes, such as sit, down, touch, leave it, drop it, recall, and leash manners. Plus, if there's time, we'll even go over some tricks. If you have any questions, give me a call or shoot me an email at info at telltaledogtraining.com. That's T-E-L-L-T-A-I-L dogtraining.com. There are some other things happening with our country as well, and I wanted to address that briefly. I am looking for ways moving forward that I can dismantle the things that I've believed for so long and that, and for ways that I can rebuild from there. Dog training has always been a whitewashed industry. I have known that for some time, but I believed a lot of lies about it in general. I do want to be clear that I believe we're in the midst of a crisis with everything coming to a head recently. Black lives absolutely matter, and I'm doing the work as an individual, and I want to examine how my dog training business can help in addition to that. Dogs have been used throughout history to terrorize and hurt, and I've decided to start doing a separate series, but as part of the podcast on historical use and background, starting with BSL in a few weeks. For those who don't know, BSL is short-term for breed-specific legislation. Whenever a city or town considers removing the legislation, there are people across the country who send awful things to those speaking out against it or voting on it. I personally don't stand for BSL, and I have the research and personal experience that shows that breed itself is not a defining characteristic in determining how dangerous a dog is.
I'll be going into that more with this new series. Tuesdays will be the regular dog training stuff and stories. Thursday will be the more historical industry stuff. And feel free to email me with any requests and I'll always cite my sources. In general, though, while the podcast will continue, I decided to put a hold on videos and the YouTube channel for now. I don't have the resources or the internet connection to get both the podcast and the videos edited and uploaded in a timely fashion, even though I've been trying so hard to do that and I found myself struggling every week. So for now, just the podcast, just the audio it is. And also be sure to subscribe and and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts since I'm now listed up there, which is very exciting. And I'm going to be working on getting the podcast listed in other directories as well, including Spotify. Stay tuned for other exciting announcements as well. Those are coming up soon. For example, I'm joining forces with a Maumelle-based dog walking and pet sitting company to be a one-stop shop for all of your pet needs, except for medical. I do not, as a dog trainer, give medical or much health advice. I leave that to the folks who've gone to school for quite a few years for that. But I'm happy to start offering all the other needs in one spot, which include grooming, dog walking, pet sitting, and dog training. I've included a new tab on my website, introducing April and her business, and I'm excited to share more of her story. I am also going to be adding some resources for rescue and puppy if anyone is looking to add a new friend to their family, as I've also been working with Care for Animals on some helpful sources. And now I want to share some history on my experience with training in classes, what I've learned over the years, and what I bring to the classes that I now teach. In 2012, I had moved to Colorado from New York City, where I'd earned my degree in English literature. I'd had this intention of becoming a journalist. I'd always done internships with newspapers and marketing departments. I'd been published in magazines, but when I first arrived in Colorado, I couldn't find a journalism position. Instead, I started working for some nonprofits and I did admin work, moved into marketing. And two years later in 2012, I was sharing a house with two other roommates. I was financially stable and I was ready for a dog. I was still scared about trying to get a dog of my own due to my past experience with Sheba. And I'll link the podcast and article I did about her, but I couldn't stop thinking about getting one. Unfortunately, the landlord didn't want a dog in the house. He just put in new carpets, he said. So we invited him over and baked some cookies and asked him what sort of dog might change his mind. And he said he could probably deal with a small non-shedding dog. We said deal. One of my roommates found a breeder who had miniature schnauzers up in Denver, and I started researching the breed. I discovered that they were smart, often stubborn, and that they thrived with training. I discovered that they came in different colors, but were primarily gray and white and my roommates got their dog in august a couple of months before i got mine in september i picked him from a photo i wanted a black one i saw his little beard and i knew he was mine i put down the deposit when i traveled to denver with a friend we met the breeder in the parking lot of a walmart and i heard him first when someone accidentally stepped on him and he did this little yelp scream something he still does when he is startled or scared now where it comes to where you get or have gotten your dog as a dog trainer i only suggest that you do your research There are plenty of options out there from all sorts of breeders to uh, breed specific rescues to so many different things. And I don't hold an official stance. I just personally try to learn as much as possible and try to be aware. I'm also always happy to offer sources and information if you'd like that. If anyone is interested in learning more about breeders and rescue and finding a dog, let me know. I'm happy to do a podcast episode on puppy mills and pet stores as well. Now, with Jeeves, training was a huge priority for me nearly eight years ago. 
He learned how to sit and go down pretty much almost immediately at home. Then we took a level one class at a pet store and we finished Canine Good Citizen with a dog training company in Durango. I did remember feeling a bit frustrated in both of the classes. We learned a lot, but the first instructor told me when Jeeves struggled with learning how to roll over that he just couldn't do it. And now years later, I know that's not necessarily true. She just taught me one method that didn't work. I now know about three different ways to teach a rollover. And the second class with Canon Good Citizen was frustrating because it was clicker-based, and there were so many people in the class, and I had no idea if I was doing things correctly. But we passed and learned some more things along the way. When I became a dog trainer five years after bringing Jeeves home, I learned about four to ten ways of teaching a behavior, which includes things like sit down or touch and roll over. I also modify expectation as needed if a dog is struggling for any reason because as a trainer, it's also my responsibility to find an answer if my usual methods don't work. It's a chance to be creative while using methods like, for one, a marker word. A clicker is a marker, but I found that when people have to hold treats, maybe a treat pouch, the dog's leash, and be mindful of their words and body and all that while trying to use a clicker, it can just be a little bit much. I'm always happy to teach clicker training if anyone's interested. Please bring a clicker to class if you'd like to. It's all about timing and establishing something, whether a word or a noise, as a marker to indicate that what the dog did was correct and that a reward is coming. Two, the reward. Not all dogs like treats, but a treat is generally the easiest and simplest way to establish communication and reward desirable behavior. It can also be affection or playtime or a ball. Anything that the dog would like can be used to reinforce training. Number three, a gradual plan. Increasing training gradually across distance, duration, distraction, and difficulty is the best way to get reliable behaviors. It can take time, but I can tell you that I've seen the difference between the first class somebody takes with their dog and the final class. The progress is absolutely there, and it's pretty cool to watch. I often talk people through that first class, like, it's going to be hard. It's going to be rough. You're going to start to get it. It's fine. Number four. A small class size. I was taught how to teach a group of six people and their dogs, and that usually included an assistant for the class. When I moved to Arkansas, I kept the size even smaller at four, even before COVID, because it's just me, and I want to provide individual attention. This has been Telltale Dog, the podcast with me, your host, Elizabeth Silverstein. I am a dog trainer based in Little Rock, Arkansas. I've included links below for the article and podcast, depending on where you're interacting with this. Music is provided by Jim Chiago, a seven-second chance. Find him on iTunes and Spotify. And be sure to follow Telltale Dog on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for the latest class news and other dog training information.